Joshua chapter 4, in preparation for us uh, entering into this exciting and new season. been spending some time in Joshua this month. And so uh, if, you, if you've missed a little bit, it's all on the podcast, and I think it would be good um, to kind of catch up a little bit on some of the things that uh, I think God has kind of pushed to the front of our minds, hopefully, as he gets us ready to, uh, to enter into this new deal. Um, it would be easy to just be like, well, when's the, when's the first Sunday? And then we just kind of move over there and meet the new people and just kind of keep going. But we're really trying to let God prepare us, prepare them to enter into this new relationship together. And uh, so this morning we started through uh, kind of our... Um, what would be our membership class or some of the stuff about the, like our promises to each other and kind of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. And we began that this morning and we are journeying through toward the 24th on our side of things, uh, praying together every day, praying through our membership covenant. And so uh, the 30 days of prayer start on Friday. And so I'd love to have you be a part of that. And, and all of this is, is not wanting to assume anything, just wanting to look at God and say, um, only you know how to take two churches and like, like unite them together uh, on mission as a family. And we don't know how to do that. We can read books about it. We can hear stories about how it went well and how it didn't go well in other situations. But if this is his idea, then we're counting on him to bless it. And so we're just trying to dial in and really pay attention to him. And so in each chapter of Joshua, just kind of pulling out some things... Uh, not making like uh, it's not the same thing as the Israelites about to like go into the promised land, but there's they're in this transitionary period, especially the first four chapters of they've been on this long journey and now they're about to cross into this new season and there's some things ahead that God has been preparing them for and getting them ready and uh, you know he works this miracle he 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 stops the waters of the Jordan and they cross on dry land. And uh, at this point in the story, they are on the, they have crossed over, they're on the other side. And God is like, okay, before, before we move on to what's next, there's one more thing I want you to do. And that's kind of where we find ourselves to uh, journeying through Joshua, getting ready. You know, next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, and then it's Mardi Gras weekend, and then our last Sunday here, and then our first Sunday there. So there's just three more. And... God's saying like, okay, so before we get into that, there's one more thing uh, to do. And we're going to look at it in this chapter. So let's, let's read it. I'm just going to read the whole thing. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, uh, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. 
When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they're there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over, armed before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000, ready for war, passed over before the Lord for battle, for the plans... Uh, Sorry, for the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, And the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. They encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So in this chapter, there's a lot of repeating, you know. God said, told Joshua this, and then Joshua tells him this. There's a lot of back and forth. So let's just make sure we get the, the, the big chunks of the story. Um, Israel's on one side of the Jordan. God tells the, the priest to take the ark, to walk out into the middle of the water. As soon as they touch the water, the, it stops flowing upstream. And they go and they stand out in the middle of the riverbed. And uh, the Lord dries all of that up. The people cross over while the ark stays in the middle. So they're crossing, 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 crossing. Joshua says, hey, I need a tribe from each man. Uh, I'm sorry, a man from each tribe, whatever. And uh, I could have probably kept going. Y'all be like, he said it wrong. Um, So I need uh, one man from each tribe to take a a big stone. It doesn't say big, but in my mind they're big. A big, giant, huge, heavy stone uh, from the river um, and take take it with us where we're going. And so they all take a stone out of the river and... There's a little bit of debate, kind of in the middle of the... It sounds like Joshua did that, but then Joshua also set up 12 in the middle of the river. Uh, Not so sure about that. I like to think that Joshua was like, you guys take those stones over here, and I'm going to make memorial in the the riverbed that no one's ever going to mess with. The the other one might get knocked over and stolen, but this one, this one's not going anywhere. Anyway, they get over to the other side of the river. He has them set up uh, these stones uh, 
12 of them, one per tribe. And um, he said, this is going to be a memorial. So that when your children are like, hey, what's that big pile of stones? Because kids are inquisitive. Uh, then you tell them exactly what happened. That God did for you, your own water, like water crossing miracle, just like he did for the generation before coming out over the Red Sea. That God did that for us. He did that for you. And you tell them exactly what it means. That forever there will be this memorial for you. So, why would God, what is the significance of this? I mean, there are seven times in the book of Joshua where they set up a memorial. There has to be a reason. Probably the fact that we forget really easily. You know, we get bogged down in life, things kind of keep progressing. We tend to forget sometimes some of these things that God has done. And you might think, like, man, I would never forget God stopping a river and me walking across it on dry ground. Um, maybe so. Maybe you wouldn't forget. Maybe you would tell your kids. But your kids maybe wouldn't value it in the same way that you do. You know? And maybe their kids wouldn't value it the same way. And so there, there tends to be uh, kind of a different transfer from generation to generation. And God was very kind in giving them their own miracle. He said, let's just do everything we can to not forget it. Set up a memorial on purpose. And you tell your kids on purpose. And let's just let the story do what the story is supposed to do. So I was thinking through this, you know, and um, it's been one of my favorite passages for a long time. We do brag on Jesus night a lot of times based on this. Um, and God just kind of brought to mind this verse that, that we've used with our Zachary mission a lot. And uh, I think we may use this verse as well for what we're doing. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 39. You don't have to turn to it, just, just look at it. He's talking, talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I've been thinking about that for you know, well over a year in regard to the, the plant in Zachary. That we're, we're planting this church for, for that core group and for their kids and for those who are far off from the Lord. I just keep just bringing those categories into my mind, and we've talked about that a lot. We've prayed about that a lot, and that's kind of been the framework of like, hey, everything we do, everything we do needs to hit all three of those targets. Like God knows how to hit all three of those. You know, going forward in our situation, it's the same thing. And so I started. To, I was thinking about that verse. And I was thinking about this chapter of like, why would God have them do this? And I think God was like, well, just put those together and just think of it that way. That God had them do this for them and for their children and for those who are far off. It's all, it's all here in the text. And I think there are some parallels for us as we kind of wrap up our time in Joshua uh, that I'm going to draw out. So those would be kind of the three broad categories we'll think of it. So the first one, he says this promise is for you. God had them set, like create this memorial for them, like for these adults. So this is the generation uh, after the generation who who sinned against God and was not allowed to enter the promised land and wandered in the desert for all that time. This is the next group. So they had heard the stories of the, Red, of the Exodus and crossing the Red Sea and all those things, and they, they had learned some tough lessons, and they, had, had, they were a nation who had watched the previous generation slowly die off. Um, they had, had a tough journey to get to the Jordan, but they knew that God had this land for them. It was this, this, this promised land. Um, so he has them, um, you know, it says it several times in the text. Twelve stones, one pile, 
one stone for every tribe. And I think a part of what he's trying to show them is that, hey, this, this miracle, like this thing that I'm doing, is for, it's for all of you. The, the tribes, if you ever look on a, in like the maps in the back of your Bible, uh, it's like, man, this tribe had a huge piece of land. This other one had this little bitty section of land. And the Levites, they didn't even have land at all. You know, how does that work? Uh, it, it would be very easy to get caught up in some of those things as they were like, going through, as the conquest of the land was, was happening, to feel like some tribes were more valuable, maybe God kind of liked them more, so he gave them more land or whatever, and kind of how that would shake out. And, um, and plus, like, as they would conquer it, and I said this a few weeks ago, it would be very easy for that tribe to say, well, I mean, we're going to kind of get settled in here. Y'all go fight your way through all the other territories, You're kind of dropping off a tribe as they go. But God was real clear. He says, no, we're going to fight until everything is settled. So this is for all of you as one, as one group. And, and so, I, I don't know, I think that there's some significance to that, that, that there wasn't a favored tribe. It wasn't for one group or another that God was doing this thing. And so I think a part of the symbolism is like, look, here's a group of 12 stones that all came from the same miracle, and they're all piled up together. Um, we're supposed to take that imagery and do something with it. And it kind of dawned on me, in part because I've been thinking about this in regard to us too. This nation, they had, they had traveled this whole journey as one like, pack of people. So they come out of Egypt, they, you know, they, all the, the plagues, they cross the Red Sea, they do the desert wanderings, they do all that stuff as this one big group. And now that they're going into the promised land, once they've worked their way around it and conquered everything, the group was about to scatter. Like It was all about to change. That here they were, this one unit, and now they're about to be established as tribes and spread out. And that was a big adjustment for them. I mean, having land at all would be an adjustment for them, but also just not having the security of the nation. You're you're spacing out, and this was more than just a, a miracle of crossing the Jordan. This was a moment of transition for them to say, "Hey, this things are things are changing now," and you need to know where you've come from. You need to know. Uh, as you go through the battles that are ahead and all that kind of stuff, you need to understand. You need to not forget. You're going to need this memorial. So make, like, go to the effort to get the stones out, to pile them up, and to make sure everyone knows what this is all about. Because as you go forward, it'll be easy to forget where you've come from. It'll be easy to forget that you really are one, even though you're kind of like spread out more, even there's going to be more of you. Um, and so I've really just been thinking about that. And even if you look at verse 6, it says that this is all, all that, that would be a sign among you. In verse 7, these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. That that's the point of, the, of it is to, to memorialize something, to remember something, to, for it to trigger something. So in one sense, our time together, you can go all the way back to March of 98, when this whole thing started, until a couple weeks from now, uh, that time period is coming to an end. It's, it's not a bad thing, it's an amazing thing, it's a wonderful thing, but it will, it will be different on the other side of what we're doing. I said it last week, I feel like, you know, like you'll hear a couple who's about to have a baby and they start to realize, like, man, it's... We're so excited about having this baby, and that's awesome, but it's not going to be just us anymore. 
Or if they're having their second child and they're like, wow, it's not going to just be the three of us anymore. It's going to be four of us. And that's awesome. And so you kind of have this, you're super excited about what's coming, but also you're trying to really enjoy and soak up what you have now. And so part of what's happening for Israel, I, I believe, in my, my interpretation of this is, he's like, hey, you're going you're gonna to need, need to recognize that things are about to change, but it's, it's all just amazing. It's amazing. Just don't forget what this journey has been like. And what we're going through right now is it's for, for you. Like it's for, for your faith as well as it is for our church. Like this thing that God is doing is supposed to strengthen our trust in Him as individuals. And then all the different ways that we group together as people, it's supposed to impact all that. Like, there isn't... Well, if you back up a couple years and we're doing this 30 days of prayer, and we're like, let's, let's just ask God to like give us a building. And people are like, that's not how it works. You know it doesn't really work that way. Like, well, actually, it, it works that way all the time. It may not work that way for us, but it, like, there are these stories about like, landowners, business owners, whatever, like giving churches buildings. Like, let's just ask him. Let's not make that the only option, you know. But if we're asking for stuff like he sells us to, let's just ask him. Say, Can you, will you just give us something? And in what is happening now, I, I would not label this as like, God gave us a building. The lead thing is that, hey, God gave us a relationship with 45-something more people. And they have a building. <laughs> and they have, like, they have like waved us in and said, come on, let's do this thing. Everything that we're doing, it's, it's not normal, you know. We've been praying about this. I mean, some people have been praying for this since we started in March of 98. But these are long-standing prayers going forward, asking God, would you just... Would you just show us what you have for us? If it's a building, if it's a group of people, if it's land, if we need to build, if we need to take out a loan, if it's whatever it is, just show us what it is. And in his perfect way, his perfect time, he said, now. Now, like this, with this group of people, in this way, he's completely done that. We would be missing something if we didn't grab onto this crazy thing and pull it into our lives and say, well, if he can do that, then he can do the things I'm asking him to do. Uh, if his timing was perfect on that, then his timing will be perfect uh, for me as well. If he can take care of all those unknowns in that situation, he can certainly take care of the unknowns in my situation. We're supposed to like transfer that in. So Israel, as they go forward and they start going in and like fighting these battles, there's a part of them has to, to take that the point of those 12 stones and pull that in to them as soldiers and say, well, if God can make a river stop and allow us all to cross on dry land, just like he promised it would happen, then he can probably help us, you know, scream at a walled city and all the walls fall down. He can probably do whatever he wants. He can do the crazy things. Uh, He can do the amazing things. If he is putting it in front of us, he can do it. And this is supposed to be an example that we grab onto and pull into our lives, just like for them. This promise is for you. This this union of the churches, this really thing we're so excited about, it's for you and your faith as well as it is for us and and the family of faith that we're forming. It's both. So please, grab onto that. Don't lose sight of that. Be encouraged. 
I hope that what we're doing here is encouraging to other churches who are in our same situations. I hope that they hear about it. And it's not just us. There are other churches that we're like getting in touch with and be like, what did, how did y'all do this? Well, you know, that kind of stuff. Other churches encouraged us. We will be an encouragement to others, but it has to be personal too. And I hope that at some point you're sitting there and you're praying about something and you're just like, I just don't know about this. And God says, well, I did a miracle with Sherwood and Living Hope, right? I did something pretty, pretty stellar. Don't you think I can handle what you're doing too? And we say, yes, Lord. We pull that in. So it's for you. It's for me. It's also for us. So those are 12 memorial stones. Let, let, them, let it strengthen your faith like it hopefully strengthened their faith. Because you know what? That, a part of our concern from the beginning is like, hey, this can't just be about the building. And I don't feel like it has been. Like I've in talking with you guys and hearing the things you're excited about. I mean, the building, the building is awesome, but the building is secondary. You know, it's the relationships and the opportunities to use it that that's like this primary thing. And so I think sometimes we're like, yeah, you know, it's just a building. It's just a building. Yeah, it's just a building. But in terms of our faith, it's not just a building. It's not just a building in regard to can can God do incredible things? And so we pull that in. That's the first thing. It's for you. The second, Acts 2.39 says, the promise is for your children. If you look at verse 6, part of verse 6 says, when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be the people of Israel memorial forever. So the assumption is your kids are going to ask a question. Like your kids are going to want to know, what's this all about? And so Joshua, like they communicate it very clearly. Like the, one of the purposes of these stones is to make your kids inquisitive. And when they ask the question, this is what you tell them. This, like you tell them the story. Um, even if it's a, if your kids are like, oh no, here goes the story again. Tell them the story. Then verse twenty one says the same thing. He said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. Now, I think it's it's very easy to jump to. The benefit to all of our kids that this is going to have, you know, there's all these like really obvious apparent things that are awesome. You know, the facility is great, and we are are working. The workday will put us set us in a direction, but like you ought to hear the plans that that are in store for the nurseries, for the kids ministry space. The youth have this like bonus room attic thing that's like perfect. Uh, for them, and 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 so like they're going to benefit in terms of like the the space itself. Uh, there's you know the big green space in the middle to just like run and like be maniacs, which you know is going to be amazing. Like, that's going to be awesome. I say maniacs in the best way. Sorry, I just it just came out, but I'm like really that's like my favorite thing about them. Um, all that stuff to ha- is going to be amazing. There are going to be all these opportunities for for them to invite people to stuff. Uh, so that they can invite kids from school, they can invite uh, you know there'll be like room to grow. There'll be all these incredible things, um, 
and even just the development over time, that you can see the trajectory of you have a baby, you put them in the nursery the first week, and you can kind of watch them in your mind move from space to space to space to space, you know, throughout this, that there's this development that will happen. There's all these really great things, and those are awesome. And I think I want to add something to that, especially for all of our parents, that we be, be sure to, to avoid underestimating the role that this whole thing is supposed to play in the faith of the children. So you go back to Israel, they're like, Dad, what do these stones mean to you? That it wasn't just like, a, well, you know, like we, we crossed a river and it was dry and, you know, like it was pretty, pretty crazy. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. That it's supposed to be a, like a, a trust in God developing tool for their children. That God is strategically like, hey, let's pile these stones up and let's do this for you as adults because you may forget. But let's also do it for your children because they need to know how powerful I am and how trustworthy I am and how good I am to my people. And so I'm going to set you up to strengthen the faith of your children by doing this amazing thing and making you pile up a bunch of rocks. And so while we know that they are benefiting from this, they also are supposed to grab onto the part of the story that talks about how good God has been to us. There's a, Several years ago, there were a couple of trips in a row around Christmas time of taking BCM students to New York City uh, to work at the Bowery Mission. And um, somewhere along the lines, we got, kind of got our foot in the door on helping lead that trip. And so Meg and I would go, and these students would go, and um, a part of the, there was like this one day where we kind of were like out in the city doing whatever, and uh, we would go down to the 9-11 memorial. We're like, okay, we're all going to go down there together and kind of experience that together, and then you can kind of you know, fan out and do your thing. And the first time that we went, whenever it was like the fountains, you know, like the, the thing that you see now at the memorial was complete and it was open, and we're walking around, and there was, I think there was like, I think it was me, Meg, Zap, and Sarah Farley were like the adults. Uh, and then all the students were there, and so like we're walking around, and we're like, we're like, it's, it's heavy, you know, for, for, people, for people my age. Like you're, you're just like, kind of like, man, this is, this is hard to fathom. And so you're, you're reading all the names, and you're looking at all the stuff they have set up, and it's beautiful, and it's like, it's like loud, the water's loud, and so you're kind of like, get lost in it for a second, and. Um, so you're walking around, you're kind of emotional and somber, you're trying just like to soak up like what, what a memorial is supposed to do. And I remember that year, there was like a group of students came over and they were like, hey, how long do we have to stay here? You know, and you just want to like, are you kidding me? And uh, they're like, yeah, like we, I, I mean, we saw the fountains, I don't know what, you know, whatever. And they were like, really like just ready to go. And not because they couldn't take it emotionally or whatever, it's because they were, they were so young when it happened. Like, they were completely detached from it. And so we as adults didn't realize that. We are like, ooh, this is going to be a deep, meaningful experience for them. They need to, they need to face you know, the, the tough realities of what that was like and everything. And it's like, they just didn't care because they were disconnected from it. And I realized, I was like, oh, this is, this is how I felt about Pearl Harbor when my grandparents would get emotional talking about it. And I was like, ah, you yeah, know, whatever. Because when, when those big experiences happen, you, you connect to it. But when it comes to going to the next generation, it doesn't automatically transfer. 
So what God is doing for Israel is he's saying, hey, you better make sure this transfers. Don't don't let them live their lives of faith as one of my covenant people and miss what I have done for them. So you tell them. You tell them. In Psalm 78, you don't need to turn to this either, but it'll be up on the screens. It says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to the Lord. What's my point? You tell them, you sit them down, and in whatever, whatever stage of life and cognitive development they're at, you meet them there. And you help them understand what's happening. It's not just we're going to go to a church in a different building. There's going to be some more people there. Uh, it's, it's deeper than that. But you as a parent, you know what they can grab onto. And as they grow older, don't worry about them rolling their eyes at you and being like, Oh, here we go again, telling the story. It's like, no. You sit them down. You make sure that they know. Psalmist is right. Like you, you got to tell them. Joshua was following God's wisdom and saying, "Your children need you to tell them." And so I'm telling you to tell them, and I'm not assuming that you're going to tell them. And so when we think about our own children, they need to know. We we ask God for this, and for a while it looked like He was saying no. And if you gave up, then tell them that. If you were frustrated, tell them that. If you thought about going to another church because you were tired of meeting at night, but you stuck it out, you tell them that. Whenever they're ready to hear it. You tell them your experience with that. And you brag on Jesus to them. And you, know, you help them to know this is not, we're not just moving to a morning service in a different location. This is deeper. It's bigger than that. And don't underestimate the way that God can use that story to speak something deeply to those little hearts. Those little minds. That he can whisper to them, I'll take care of you. I take care of my church. I'll take care of you. That it's okay to ask and ask and ask. It's okay to, be, to get frustrated, but look, don't give up. God knows what's best for you. You ask him for a fish, he's not going to give you a snake. But he may not give you a fish for a little while. It's okay. Whatever he does give you will not be bad for you. It will only be good for you. They need to know it. And so let's talk to them. Let's make sure we're telling them that part of the story as well. So the pile of stones, it was for the adults. It was for the children. The last one says, all who are far off. Verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. 
so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. You'll fear the Lord your God forever. Verse 24, where he says, so that the, all the people of the earth may know. God's saying, like, hey, this is, this is about you as a nation, and it's for you and for your children, but it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here. This is fulfilling something that God promised in Genesis chapter 12 to Abram. This is verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Go to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. Remember, this crossing the Jordan was the first time that they were called a nation. So he promised it in Genesis 12. And here we are, Joshua 3. The first time God says, Now you're a nation. Then he says, I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise made to their ancestor they're holding on to. And then in verse 24, where it says, so that all the people of the earth may know. Here's what that means. That the goal was not the land. Like they weren't going to cross over, all the conquests would happen, and they would be like, and that's the end of our story, and now we're this people who has a place to live. It says, no, the, the land is a tool to bless the world. That's all, that's, that's all, that was what God intended. Genesis 12, I'll make a promise to you. Your ancestors will end up, they'll be a nation, they'll be in a land, and from there, all the people of the earth will be blessed. The goal is not the promised land. The goal is the kingdom of God. The goal is the new earth. That's really that's the that's where the trajectory is is headed here. But he w- was going to establish them, spread them out, so that then they could bless all the people who don't know who their God is. That's the whole point. And for us, it's the same thing. The said it from the beginning. The goal is not the building. We have we have to understand the role and it, well. I, th- I think I think you understand it. Don't hear me saying like, "Come on, y'all, got to understand it." I think I think you get it, but it's it's understanding that from the story we're really living in the same the same trajectory as they are. They hear these two congregations on one side of the river. God does this miraculous thing that we cross over together, and we're going to cross into this new season. But it isn't about just being together. It's not just about what, how you're blessed. It's not just about how your kids are blessed. It's also about those who don't know him yet, those who are far off, the people of the earth, the people of the city. And so as we cross into this, we have to, to continue to keep at the front of our minds, like, hey, this is going to be great for us and great for our kids. It's also going to be great for our city. It's going to be great for that neighborhood. It's going to be great for the, the communities where you live, whether it's there or you know, somewhere else. Wherever you are, that we're one church that scatters out into the surrounding area. And then we come back together and we scatter out and we do the very thing, that rhythm that the people of God are a part of. Israel kind of got obsessed with the land, though. Like, even, even to today. Now... I got to go there several years ago, and I have a jar, and it's full of rocks from there, and dirt and stuff that I wasn't supposed to take out. But, you know, 
And so I have it in that jar, and I understand, you know, I'm sure that Greg will tell me, tell me later on that that really didn't come from Israel. It came from somewhere else because science. But still, maybe not the dirt, but there's some rocks I'm pretty sure have been there a long time. Don't ruin it for me, Greg. But that jar is sitting there, and I'm like, man, that's, that's not just any land. That's promised land. And it reminds me. God makes promises to take care of His people, and then He does it. And it sits there in my house, and there are times when I see it, and I just shake my head. Not in disagreement, but in just kind of like, is he really? how can He be this good, really, to me and to us? So this pile of stones is it's for the adults, it's for their children, and it's also for the people of the earth, those who are far away. And I think for us to enter into this new season, not only thinking about the things from chapter 1 and 2 and 3, but to think about these things as well, to say, am I supposed to drag this into my own faith? It's supposed to strengthen my faith. It's also supposed to strengthen the faith of our kids. It's also supposed to strengthen the faith of those who are far away, those who uh, are not a part of this thing yet. That God knows how to hit all three of those targets in one foul swoop. And for that to be what we look at Him, we say, God, I want more than anything to see all three of those things flourish. I want to flourish. I want all these kids to flourish. I want the, the neighborhood, the surrounding communities, the whole region to flourish through what you're doing with us. Um. You know, my, my gr- grandparents used to live in Liberty, Mississippi. Uh, and I grew up hearing this story, I think I've told it before, this story where they were trying to figure out they were supposed to move to Baton Rouge, basically to look for work, because it was the Depression era, and work had dried up, and they were just trying to figure out what to do. And so they were out one day, uh, like, in my mind they were picking butter beans, because that's what I always see them doing. When I was a kid, but let's just say they're picking butter beans and they're, they're, they're working down a row, like kind of facing each other. And they're just talking about just being unsure what to do. And they're, they're picking them and they're talking and stuff. And, uh, the story that I like grew up hearing was that they got to the end of the row and they just weren't sure what to do. And so, um, they said, well, let's, let's pray. And that they knelt down in the garden and they prayed and they asked God for direction. And, uh, that you know, he didn't really like speak then. There was no like big powerful moment, but that was like what they're like. That's this is what his people do. We look at him. We say we don't know what to do. Will you show us what to do? And so they knelt in the garden, and that led them to move to Baton Rouge. And the my so my dad went to college at LSU, and he met my mom. So there's a part of me that's like my whole origin story goes back to that garden. You know, at the end of the row of butter beans, which probably isn't true, but in my mind, it's helpful. Um, but I grew up hearing my parents tell that story about my grandparents. And grew up being like, like as a young child, of like, oh, that's what you do when you don't know what to do. You stop what you're doing, even if you're like out working in the garden and you kneel down on the ground uh, with your wife or your husband or whomever, I guess. In my mind, it was like, it was the, of course, them. And I was like, but that's what you do. You're like, I'm going to kneel in the garden. I'm going to ask my God what to do. And... As a young kid, that just became my understanding of that's what it means to be, that's what Christians do. You know? They never sat down, they didn't beat it into me, they didn't berate me with it. It was just a story I grew up hearing so much, and I think it was formative for me. 
Now you think about how this is going to shape your faith and your kids' faith and those who are far off. And I think we've got to look at that and say, God, however you want to use this, what we're doing right now, we just want to say yes to that. So I hope that it is encouraging to you. I hope that this journey through Joshua has, has helped maybe put some words to things. Um, and again, I know it's not exactly the same, but man, it sure feels similar. Uh, so yeah, thank you for uh, being a part of this little journey through Joshua. I hope it's been helpful. And, and I hope that this helps us make this transition well. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's stand up together. Let me pray for us. God, we are grateful to be um, to be on this journey together, and to be uh, I mean together with you and together with each other, and. Uh, Thankful for prayers that have been uh, brought to you for a long time, and thankful for your your holy timing. Thank you that you uh, that you loved us enough to not give us a fish too soon, and we know that this is not a snake. That we have asked you for bread, and you have not given us bread too soon. You gave us bread at just the right time, and never a stone. Only what's good for us and only when it's uh, when the right time uh, for us. And so God, however this is pulled into our individual lives, however this shapes our children, however this impacts our community, um, we just want to say yes to you because you have said yes to us. And that just, this all stems from your, your first and most important yes to us, just sending your son so we recognize, God, that, that it's you holding out grace to us. And so as we sing, as we respond, as, uh, and whatever that looks like, would you just uh, would you help us to connect with you over the right things, the things that are for us, the things we're supposed to pay attention to, as we lift you high and as we just recognize your activity among us and tell you that we're grateful and we're ready. We pray this all in your name. Amen. So communion is open to everyone. You don't have to be a member of this church. Phil is serving us tonight and uh, you'll tear the bread, you'll dip the juice in and we'll just kind of form our line like normal. If you want to come and pray, if you want to, if you want to give at the giving station, prayer requests or tithe or you just want to stand and sing, however you want to do that, it's up to you. Uh, let's, let's, and there's not very many more of these kind of nights that we'll have. And so let's just enjoy uh, processing what God's stirring through the service in us tonight. So the table is open. You come whenever you're ready.